I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. Today's lesson is about the Father God, the heart of the Father, and this is actually the second teaching that we've done on this subject. I'm not going to review completely everything that we went through in our first session. I would encourage you to go back and listen to session one because it lays a clear foundation of some things that you really need to hear as we progress into the one that I'm going to share today. But before we get into the Word of God today, I want to encourage you to visit our website. It's www.theriverministriesusa.org and we have many products that we are making available to you. The one uh, book that I would like to share with you today is called Encounter God Through the Habit of Prayer. And this book is a very simple prayer and it teaches you exactly and precisely how to enter into the presence of God. This particular book um, can be given to a strong believer, someone who's been a Christian for years. And we have also been giving this book to uh, the average Christian, meaning someone who's in the church but may not have a lot of um, knowledge of the scriptures. I've given this book to my trainers at the gym. I've given this book to the woman that owns the jewelry store in my community. It's a very relatable book and it's something that will also um, teach you how to pray, how to get into the presence of God, how to encounter God. Um, The chapter titles include Starting Your Day Right, A Perfect Love, Creating a Motivating Atmosphere, Absolute Confidence, Mastering the Mind, which is a big one when you're wanting to pray and you're wanting to seek the face of God. The mind can be a battleground and keep you from entering into that zone with God, so to speak. Um, It talks about the practice of silence, the journey home, and so much more. So I would encourage you to check our website out and purchase this book, and it'll be a blessing to you. As a matter of fact, in this book, uh, what I found interesting is by about the third or fourth chapter, we actually have a prayer in there for someone to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And for me, this book, like all the other books that I've written, I really have been guided by the Holy Spirit as we progress through each chapter. And so it was a surprise to me as to how this book unfolded. And by the third or fourth chapter, there is a prayer for salvation in there. So this is a really good tool that you can give really to anybody from any walk of life. Um, So let's begin to go back into our study. We're talking about the heart of the Father. And we explained that when the disciples came to Jesus, after watching his lifestyle and watching that he was a man of prayer and watching how he would disappear and go away up into the wilderness. Sometimes he'd be gone all night. They discovered that he was a man of prayer. They discovered that even though he healed the multitudes 
and he taught with such wisdom, he still of necessity needed to get into the place of prayer, needed to go into the, the presence of God and spend time with his heavenly father. And so therefore the disciples came to him one day and I believe they just they just realized the secret to his life, his personal life and his ministry is really he is a man of great prayer. And so they came to him and I they asked him what I believe to be one of the greatest questions any man could ask anyone. And they said to him, Lord, we've been watching you and we see that you're successful. We see that you don't have any down days. We see that you're a man of wisdom. We see that you're a man of integrity. We see that you know, you're always ministering out of your overflow. So Lord, we want you to teach us how to pray. And so Jesus goes ahead and he says, okay, I'll teach you how to pray. And the very first thing he said in Luke 11, chap chapter one, or I'm sorry, Luke 11, verse one and verse two, he says in here, and he said to them, when you pray, say our father. So right from the beginning, he introduces the disciples to the heart of a father, the heart of a father God. And we found out in our previous teaching that, that God was known in the Old Testament as a, as a taskmaster, as a God, so to speak, on a first name basis. And this truth was new to his disciples. Jesus came to the earth and he introduced the disciples to a God, God specifically as a father. I'm going to give you the definition of the father. A father defined by Webster's is a male parent, the founder of a race, family, or line, any man who exercises parental care over another or others, a person who has originated or established something. And we found out in our previous teaching that God wanted to have a family. He wanted to establish a family. And it says in the book of Ephesians that the scripture says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So as a born-again Christian, you are a part of a family whether it's in heaven or on earth, and God, our Father, is our true Father. So Jesus did come to the earth and he revealed to them the Father God. Now we talked about the Father providing salvation, and we're not going to get into that today. And we talked about the Father's provision. And we want to take this teaching further. And remember, I told you in the previous teaching that what we want to do is we want to renew our minds. We want to find out uh, who the true character of our Father is, because a lot of us had earthly fathers that were dysfunctional, that weren't there for us that may have been abusive or mean or angry or whatever the case may be. And so when we hear the word father, what flashes in our mind may not be an accurate picture of who the heavenly father is. And that's why I enjoy teaching this because we can reveal to you the true nature or the true image of the father. And therefore, as you, you, you see who he really is, you will be able to have a more intimate relationship with him and you'll have more success in your prayer life. And not only that, the Bible says you will know the truth 
and the truth will set you free. If you've had a lot of hurts, if you have addictions, if you are on medications for anxiety or depression, if you have a lot of fears, as you come to know and understand who the Father is, it will drive out the fears. It will heal your soul. It, the, this knowledge will cast out fear and is a remedy for you to walk a more successful life. And we're talking about necessary truths in challenging times. And I believe we're living in challenging times. I believe this truth needs to be taught because we are living in a fatherless era, a fatherless generation where the fathers are not home like they used to be for whatever the case may be. So let's go on. So we talked about the father's providing salvation and we talked about the father just being the kind of father that wanted to provide for us and now we're going to go into your father is there to listen attentively to all your needs hopes dreams and desire when i grew up i grew up in a family of of six i was the only girl of five brothers and it was a very noisy household, and I got very little attention. The most attention I received was from my brother. We were very close, but there came a time, you know, where he got a girlfriend, and I was pretty much kind of alone. And what I remember about growing up as a child is that my father was not only rarely home, but when he was home, he was absent emotionally, and it affected me. It affected me in my relationships and it affected me even in my relationship with the Father God because I got this image of God that when I pray, he might not really be there for me. Or when I pray, maybe he's not really going to understand me. As a matter of fact, when my father was home or did happen to be home, not only was I a little scared of him because he was a little unpredictable, but when he was home, if I were to sit down with him on the couch just to read or just to talk with him, I am telling you, he would always fall asleep. And I don't know what that was, but that wasn't a good thing for a little girl who's very loving and caring and sensitive. And so I got this image of, of myself that I wasn't worthy. I got this image of that I wasn't worth my father's time, and it affected me in life. And as I learned through the scriptures who God was, I found out that when my father and mother forsake me, or my father's not there for me, or my father doesn't understand me, the Lord will take me up. And so this part of this teaching where it says here, your father is there to listen attentively to all your needs, hopes, and desires, this really ministered to me. Because my father wouldn't listen, he wasn't there, we didn't have that communication. But your Heavenly Father and my Heavenly Father longs to communicate with you, longs to be intimate with you. He created you for that purpose, to have intimacy with you, to be close to you, to have a relationship with you. And what I enjoy about God is that even if I'm praying and a million other people are praying all at once, He's such an intimate God that not only does He hear me when I pray, but while he hears me when I pray and everybody else who's praying, at the same time, he knows everything about me. He discerns my thoughts from afar. He knows how many hairs I have on my head. He knows all about the motives of my heart. 
He knows everything that's going on in my life. And the same thing holds true with you. God is there for you. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 and 15, it says in the scripture, now remember, it's the word of God that is going to heal you. This is the truth that will set you free. This is the God's honest truth about your situation. It says in the scripture, now my eyes, God is speaking. You see, the word of God is God speaking to you. He may have been speaking to a certain people in that day, but the scripture is God speaking to you. So he's speaking in the, in the book of Chronicles and he says to the people, he says, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive unto the prayers that are made in this place. Now you and I could take that scripture and we can make it ours. Well, what does that mean? That means that's God speaking to me. That means that when I pray or when I go to God, he's going to listen to me. Not only is his ears going to be open, listen now, he's going to give me eye contact. Have you ever tried to speak with your father and they, they were all distracted and they had so many things on their mind and they, weren't, they were hearing but they weren't watching and maybe they were half listening? Well, God not only hears you, he looks at you and he has eye contact with you. As we continue in teaching about prayer, we're going to find out more and more that what we really desire and and what Moses had was he had a face-to-face intimate relationship with God. And, And that shows me that my Heavenly Father not only hears what I have to say, but he's looking directly in my face. And that, to me, shows me that he's paying attention to what I have to say that my prayers are not falling on deaf ears. And so oftentimes we think God's not really, you know, not only does he not care, but God doesn't really hear me. Well, I'm going to keep driving it home. God hears you when you pray. Not only he does he hear you, he is watching you and he is listening. It says in the word of God, John, this is a good example. John chapter 11, verse 41 and 42 When Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus, everybody was upset because Lazarus had died and everybody's crying and they were hoping that Jesus had come sooner because then Lazarus wouldn't have died and the whole family was upset. And Jesus comes to the grave of Lazarus and the Bible says that Jesus wept. And then it goes on to say, the scriptures say, and Jesus groaned in the spirit. And then he stops. He didn't even utter any words. Are you hearing me right now? He didn't even utter any words. There are some prayers that you could just say from your heart that have no words. You know, God hears those kinds of praying, prayers. They're just prayers. Have you ever just been so wounded and so hurt and so upset? You had no words to pray. Do you know that God hears those kinds of praying, that kind of praying? The Bible says he's close to the brokenhearted. He hears the groaning of the prisoner. Are you hearing me right now? So when Jesus comes to the grave, the Bible says he groaned in the spirit. And the Bible says that he he had tears. He had tears. 
What does that mean? That means God hears those groanings. That means God sees your tears. The Bible says, he has heard my cry, he has seen my tears, and he will hear me. The Bible also says that God holds all of your tears in a bottle. He knows all about it. When you've cried in your bed at night and you have felt forsaken and you have felt lost and you've prayed to God, I want you to know today that God has heard those prayers and he has seen your tears. What you need to do is you need to begin to believe that he's heard you. You need to begin to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Continue to acknowledge him in all of your ways. And God for you is going to go before you and he's going to prepare the way. He's going to make the crooked ways straight and the rough places plain. Just keep your focus on him. Keep praying. The Bible says he that comes to God must believe that he is. He is going to work all things out for your good. But I hear a scripture in my heart, but you've got to keep praying. You've got to continue in prayer. The Bible says in Luke 18, 1, men ought to always pray and not faint. Don't faint if you don't see visible results right away. Don't faint if you don't see things coming together right away. Just know that when you've cried out to God, he's heard you. And the Bible says he's delivered me from all my destruction. He's working things out. Continue to stand. And the Bible says, having done all to stand, just keep standing. Therefore, Lord, I know you've heard me. Lord, I know you've seen my tears. Lord, I know you're working this thing out. Continue to trust him with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding and try to figure it out. Continue to acknowledge him and he's going to make the crooked way straight and the rough places plain. So your father is there. He's there. Listen, he's there. And what I see is I see God looking at you and he's looking at you with eyes that are concerned for you and eyes that love you and eyes that care about you. And I believe that when you want, when you pray to him, he just puts a smile on his face and says, thank you for asking. Because when you ask, prayer opens up the door for me to work and I can do what I need to do to rescue you out of your situation. So your father is there to listen attentively to all your needs Hebrews eleven six. we already said it. He who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Your father loves you unconditionally for who you are, not for what you will become or who you think you need to be in order to be accepted by him. We've all had parents who only approved of us when we were good. We've all had parents, you know, if they became angry with us, I have some, some of my children's friends, some of their parents do this. You know, the, the, the father gets angry and he withdraws and he stops talking to his children. Now, what is that? That's dysfunctional. That's not normal. Well, your heavenly father won't do that to you. He won't get angry with you. He won't withdraw from you. If you don't happen to score enough goals in a game, if it's a sports event, your Heavenly Father is going to love you unconditionally, not because of what you do or how many goals you score or, or whatever the case may be. The Bible says, I will never leave you. 
I will never forsake you. I will be with you always, no matter what you do. There is nothing, the Bible says, that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from his love. No matter what you do, God will always love you unconditionally. Let's look at a scripture out of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, or actually it's Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to show you in the scripture where God says exactly what I just said. That he loves you unconditionally, not for what you will become or who you think you need to be in order to be accepted by him. I'm going to show you in the Bible. Remember, it's the truth of God's word that sets you free. God said here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father. I love how the Apostle Paul includes Father. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he made us accepted in the beloved. So God the Father, your Father, accepts you just the way you are. You don't have to earn his acceptance. You don't have to be anything you're not to get his acceptance. He accepts you right now, right here, just exactly the way you are. And Jeremiah 31 3 says, I love you with an everlasting love and no good thing with I be, will I withhold from you and with loving kindness I have drawn you. I believe even in this teaching, God is drawing you. He wants you to understand his love and his love is unconditional. That word accepted, remember he has made us accepted in the beloved. We've all had people that have rejected us. Even maybe some have even had their peers reject them. And growing up in school today and the challenging times that we live in, sometimes it's just not easy what goes on in schools. And there's bullying and all these things that go on. And people are rejecting us. And if you don't have the right clothes and if you don't have the right hair, if you don't have the right makeup, you're not accepted in the popular group. Well, in Christ Jesus, you're in the popular group. You're at the head and not the tail. You are popular with heaven. It says here in this scripture, he has made us accepted in the beloved. That word accepted in the, in the Webster's Dictionary, and I actually Googled it, says to receive with approval or favor. So God approves of you. As a matter of fact, the scripture says, Jeremiah 1, 5 before I formed you in the womb, I knew, God said, and approved of you as my chosen instrument. So before you were ever e even in your mother's womb, God knew you. And the Bible says he approved of you. So you are approved and you have favor with God. Now let's go over to John 16. 
John chapter 16. I hope you have, you have your Bibles. It's a good thing to see the scriptures for yourself. I know we're putting them up on our screen. But if you have your own Bible, a good thing to do is to study for yourself. The, the scripture says, study to show yourselves approved unto God, workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What that means is it's good for you to study for yourselves. It's good for you to underline in your Bibles and, and mark things up. Maybe you should take all the scriptures on the Father and underline them. And so you have them right there. John chapter 16 Look here at verse 20. I'm going to start up at verse 23 because when we were preparing for this, I was hearing this scripture and I thought that the Lord wanted me to put this out there on this particular tape, even though we're not particularly talking about how to get certain answers to prayer, but we're going to go ahead and read it anyway. It says here, and in that day, Jesus said, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Basically, what he was talking about is after he rose from the dead, he was teaching his disciples that there's going to come a time where you're not going to ask me anything. Once I, I'm, I'm, I go to be with the Father, your prayer life is going to change and you're not going to ask me anything. What you're going to do is you're going to go to directly to the Father and you're going to ask of Him and the way you're going to get answers to your prayer is you're going to ask in my name. So He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it you. Verse 24, up till now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Verse 25, these things I've spoken to you in a figurative language, but the time is coming while I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. I love how Jesus just kept talking about the Father. And it says here, and in that day you will ask in my name, I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. Now this was our point. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Basically what Jesus is saying is the Father himself loves you because you love me. And what that scripture seriously means is the same love that the Father has for his Son, the Father has for you and I. Because when the Father God looks at us, he sees us in Christ Jesus. And so he loves us with the same love that he loved his only begotten son. Isn't that good news? Okay, so let's go on. The Bible says in Romans 8, Romans 5 verse 8, that God the Father demonstrated his love to us while we were yet sinners. The scripture says Christ died for us. So here we see a demonstration of the Father's love while we were yet sinners. While, while you know, some were in drugs or prostitution or murdered somebody, God loved, loves us all the same. He demonstrated his love while we were yet sinners. There was a demonstration of his love through Jesus Christ. You may have had a father that didn't demonstrate his love. Maybe you needed a lot of affection and you didn't get that affection. Well, your father affectionately loves you 
and he demonstrated his love through Jesus Christ. Your father, this is a big one, are you ready? Is not mad at you. That's a big one. People think, well, God's mad at me. Well, what did you do that was so bad? Well, God's mad at me. Well, let's look and see what the Bible has to say about that. Well, that may have come from, you may have had an abusive father who was mad at you, or he was unpredictable, or you, you couldn't do anything right, and so you always had that tension in the house. Well, God is not like a man. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Another translation of that verse says, remember we said it's good to look at other translations. Another translation of that scripture says, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. What does that mean? It means that the thoughts God thinks towards you are not angry thoughts. They're thoughts of peace. They're good thoughts. Insecurity thinks, well, you know, God's mad at me and he's thinking all these bad things about me. Well, that's not the nature of your father. God is love. God is not mad at you. What is the nature of love? We find the nature of love in 1 Corinthians 13. The nature of love is patient. The nature of love is kind. The nature of love, read it for yourself, thinks no evil. So God is not thinking evil about you. God is not thinking bad about you. You might be thinking bad about you because of your insecurities, but God is not thinking bad of you. And as you begin to take on how he thinks about you, you'll change your thoughts towards yourself. And you'll think thoughts towards yourself of peace and not of evil. You see, in relationships, healthy human relationships, we can only love one another to the degree that we love ourselves. So if we want to have healthy relationships in these challenging times, we need to change our thoughts about how we think about ourselves. But it's knowing first that God's thoughts towards me are thoughts of peace and not of evil. You know who's giving you some of those thoughts? I'm going to give you a little lesson in warfare. That's, you have an enemy. The Bible says Satan is the God of this world. What does that mean, Margie? It means that, that there are fallen spirits here in this world. And they roam about as roaring lions and they want to devour people. They want to devour relationships. They want to devour your life. They want to make your life miserable. John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I want you to have life and life more abundantly. And so those fallen spirits are here. And what happens is when we're walking in everyday life, sometimes we get hit in our head with thoughts. 
You know what the Bible calls that? Calls that the fiery darts of the wicked one. Didn't say God gives you those thoughts. God's thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Plans to prosper you, not harm you, to give you hope in a future. So those thoughts come at your mind and they are not from your heavenly father. They're from the enemy. You have an enemy. The Bible calls him the adversary. And I'm going to restate it. And he goes about as a roaring lion and he wants to devour each and every one of us. So we need to understand who God's thoughts, what God's thoughts are towards us, which are found in scripture. And what are the enemy's thoughts? Anything that comes to your mind that tears you up, tears you down, talks about how unworthy you are, talks about how ugly you are, talks about how fat you are and you happen to be a normal weight, that's not coming from your Heavenly Father. That's coming from the enemy. So I would encourage you to continue to listen to these teachings. I would encourage you to continue to do what we've said, renew or change your thinking and begin to understand what God says about you. And as you do, the scripture says it'll drive out fear. And you, as you continue in the word of God and continue to get strong, I hear the spirit of God say to me, you will be a force to be reckoned with. The enemy does not want you to know who you are in Christ. The enemy does not want you to fulfill your destiny. Because the enemy knows if you find out who you are in Jesus, if you find out who your heavenly father is, you're going to do some damage for the kingdom of darkness. And I believe that God has chosen you. I believe that God is raising you up for such a time as this. I can see in my heart a whole generation coming to the forefront. And I see this generation, like the Bible says in the book of Joel, an exceeding great army, a great army being raised up. And you are part of that army and you are going to do exploits for God. And the enemy doesn't want you to do that. So he's going to try to tear you down. Well, make a decision today that you're going to believe what God said about you and not what the enemy may say to you in your mind or even what you may have thought about yourself. Make a decision today that you're going to change your mind, you're going to change your attitude, and you're going to allow the Word of God to transform you. People say, well, I can't change. You can absolutely, totally and completely change. The Word of God has the power to change your life. Not just change you from the inside, but change the way you think. Change the way you approach relationships. Change the way you parent your children. If you were raised in some of these homes that we've been talking about, your parenting skills may be, need to be sharpened. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about how to train up a child in the way that they should go. I encourage you today to make a decision. I'm not going to go any further until I, could, I have to keep saying it. You need to make a decision.
that you're going to be everything God's called you to be. And as you make that decision, follow through with that decision. Well, what does that mean, Margie? What do you mean by that? Well, what you have to do is you've got to get into the Word of God and let the Word of God change you. Find a good church that teaches the Bible, that teaches the truth of God's Word, that doesn't teach tradition. Find a church that will teach you who you are in Christ and what happened to you when you got born again. Find a church that will encourage you to be everything God wants you to be and has called you to be. So it's decision time, isn't it? That's okay. We'll pray at the end of this session. So your father is not mad at you. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 16, here's more proof. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I had so many scriptures last night when I was studying and, and I, I had to tone it down because I could sit here for another three hours and give you scripture after scripture after scripture. That proves my point. But I felt like I just needed to give you a, just a handful. <laughs> but here's one in 1 John 4, 16. It says here, now remember, the Father's not mad at you, right? It says here in verse 16, And we have known and have believed you have to know and believe what? The love that God has for us. You have to know it, get knowledge of it, and you have to believe it. Believe it, receive it, accept it, make it your own. And it's not that hard. Just accept the fact that the Word of God is the infallible Word of God, that it's forever settled, that this is what God says about you, and you will change. So the Apostle Paul says, And we have known and believe the love that God has for us. Okay? And then what else does it say? God is love. I notice it doesn't say, God is beating you up over the head because he's mad at you. Because you're not, quote, perfect. Well, what's the image of perfection anyway in this society? People are trying to achieve perfection and there is no person that's righteous. The Bible says, no, not one. But in Jesus, we have perfection because of him. He says, God is love. He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Verse 17, this love has been perfected amongst us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. When I found out how much God loved me, it changed my mind, changed my thinking. When I found out that my God listens to me when I pray, not only listens, but he looks at me when I pray and that he loves me with an everlasting love and that his desires and his thoughts towards me are thoughts of peace and not of evil, it changed me. And I became a, a woman who had so much more confidence, so much more boldness. I became a person who instead of allowed people to walk all over me and take advantage of me, I became a person who set boundaries. You know, there's books written about setting boundaries. Well, when you know God loves you and you've applied the scriptures to your life 
and you've known and believed the love he has for you, it'll drive out the fear and it'll make you a bold person. Not a mean person, but just a person who says, you know what, I'm setting a boundary. You know what, you're not going to talk to me that way because you're being mean. I've had relationships in my life, I've had to say, you will not do that to me anymore. And you know what, that's, that's okay. It's okay. It's okay in certain relationships to let them go. If they're not going to change and they're going to continue to be mean and they're going to continue to abuse you and they're going to continue to be reckless in their attitude towards you and in their words to you, you know what? You need to leave that relationship because God's plans for you are plans not to harm you. And if that relationship is harming you, you you need to get out of that relationship. So it says here, this love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. And verse 18, and there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Verse 19, we love him. Here he says it again because he loved us. So there's no fear in love. A revelation of love and how God loves you will drive out all the fears fears in your life. Now, it may not happen overnight. It's a transformation takes time. It's a continual transformation. And, and sometimes our lives, depending on the kind of upbringing you've had, it's like, a, it's like an onion. You know, you have to peel away the layers. But as you continue in this knowledge of who God is in your life, that he's there to provide salvation, that he's there to provide your material needs, that he he's loves you with an unconditional love, that he hears you when you pray, that he's not only hearing, but he's looking at you when you pray. When you realize he loves you and he's not mad at you, it will transform you and it will take out fears. You can be free from fears and you can be free from these things. We have to close, but you said we said earlier that it's decision time. So what we're going to do before we close is we're not going to pray. I'm not going to pray for you. We're going to confess something out of our mouth and believe it in our heart. I'm going to lead you in this confession, and I want you to say it out of your own mouth. And as you hear yourself say it, it's going to change you. It's decision time. It's time to make a decision that you're not only going to believe the Word of God and what God said about you, but you're going to receive it, and you're going to continue in your study of it. So say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, you are my Father. And I am your child. And you have held me in the palm of your hand. Continue to mold me. Continue to shape me. Mold me into the person you want me to be. I know that the plans you have for me are not going to hurt me. So today, I make a decision to allow you to do your work in my heart and in my soul. Today, 
I make a decision that I'm going to trust you with all of my heart and I'm going to allow you to transform me. So I lay back in your arms and I say, have your way, Heavenly Father. Now, Father, I pray that you'd continue to reveal yourself to the individual that has listened to the sound of my voice. And I know that they will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.